Hey there, this is Sam Sorbo. You've heard me talk about Mike Lindell and how his my pillow has given me the best night's sleep. I adore my pillow, but he also continues to roll out offers on his other products. His latest is on the towel set. Towels aren't something you think about very often. And I never knew what I was missing until I tried his towels, I got to say. So you've all helped MyPillow grow into the incredible company it is today. You've trusted in Mike to give you a good night's sleep and uh, with the pillows and the sheets. And now he's changing the game. He's got a six-piece towel set. It's custom made in with USA cotton. Um, and it's extremely absorbent. And it still is soft. It's just the perfect combination towel. Um, comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. And that would typically retail for as high as $109. I mean, but for a limited time only, you can get this set for the low price of only $39.99. That's incredible. And you have to use my promo code, though. The promo code is Sam Sorbo. And remember, all my pillow products come with a 60 day money back guarantee. So just go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener specials, and uh, you'll get the insanely low price of $39.99. For two towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. And uh, you'll also find other deep dip discounts on the other MyPillow products as well. Just don't forget, use the promo code Sam Sorbo, Sam Sorbo, just all one word, all snuck together, Sam Sorbo, or call 800 625 5983 for these great radio and podcast specials. Thanks so much. Hi, this is the Sam Sorbo Show. Thanks for joining me. My guest now is an author. She's a um, she's a writer. Obviously, she writes opinions at the Washington Times, and she's also host of the Bold and Blunt podcast. She does daily commentaries on politics, culture from a Christian conservative perspective, uh, and she's got a new book coming out, which is called Lockdown: The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Cheryl Chumley. Thank you so much, Sam, for having me. I appreciate the chance to chat with you again. It's so fun because, gosh, I met Cheryl years ago in the Fox newsroom, like yes. green room. And I don't know, we just sort of, I liked you. Like we just sort of <laughs> hit it off. We chatted a little bit and then we, we've been sort of trading emails back and forth and articles and podcasts and you've been on the show, obviously. Um, and now you've got this new book, uh, which I, I really hope it, it's coming out May 3rd. Yep. Uh, anywhere fine books are sold, you can go uh, find it. And I really hope that people take note because we have to understand there's been a major shift that just happened, right? Absolutely. In this country, due in large part to the coronavirus. And uh, look, I, I just hold on. Due to our response yes. to the coronavirus, right? We've yeah. got to put the blame where the blame is due. And, and I don't want people I don't want the nefarious elements to get away with blaming the coronavirus because it had literally nothing. It was an excuse. 
Absolutely. And uh, toward your point, I do elaborate on just that in, in my book, In Lockdown, because it is the government's response. It's the government's exploitation of the coronavirus that has led America down this perilous path of losing individual liberties and more importantly, God-given liberties. And, you know, you talk about when we first met in the green room years ago and what I most admired about you, and honestly, this has stuck with me through the years, is that in one of our discussions, I think it was on your show years ago, you said the biggest problem in America is the fact that churches are are emptied. And that's what we need to bring this country back to its greatness. And that right there is the whole problem of what is wrong with America right now. The fact that Christians are not filling the pews, they're not being involved in the politics. And if we do get back to church, America's problems will be solved. Oh, that's funny. I mean, I, I stand by that and I've, and I've uh, developed it a bit far further. Um, it's yes, the churches are empty and the schools are full yes. and we need to empty the schools and fill the churches. It's <laughs> <laughs> really That's what true. we need to do. Uh, so because it's it now we can't lay all the blame at the feet of the government. They had help by the proletariat, by the citizenry because of the fear. And it's funny because I was just talking with um, Tammy Peterson and she, she mentioned this towards the end. And she said that anything that you put, anything that you put in front of you before God is idolatry or ideology, ideology. She didn't say idolatry. And I, I conflated the two, um, but that's more on me, but, But in fact, it's the golden calf, right? It's the thing that you, because that becomes your highest value. And she, she mentioned fear. And I said, yeah, because fear became the highest value. And so whatever, whatever we did, we did it based on fear, which is why the Bible, of course, second Timothy one, seven says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the reason that we say sound mind is because we can think our way around fear because fear is fear is just an emotion Mm -hmm. and it doesn't it, it shouldn't dictate. We should not be allowing our emotions to dictate. But more and more in our society, we allow our emotions to dictate. And we just saw that. I don't know if you want to comment on the Will Smith slap. Well, that that was a ridiculous moment in cultural uh, history in America right now. And it kind of epitomizes where we're at in this country. It's just when when somebody like Will Smith, I saw that video and I watched it several times because, of course, that was there was that long running discussion about whether it was real or fake, uh, because we had um, years ago, of course, who was it that? comedian Andy um, Kaufman and that wrestler staging that whole fake slap. And so people wanted to know, was this real or fake? And I watched it several times and it just seemed to me very, uh, very indicative of where our society stands in terms of cultural degradation, that we would embrace something like that as this is the way to defend your family. This is what family values stand for in America. And again, it all goes back to the emptying of 
of the churches. If Americans are properly morally compassed based on biblical truths, things like the Will Smith face slap don't happen. Things like the government being able to order churches to close based on the fear of a coronavirus don't happen. And, you know, you can go on and on at length, but all roads lead back to God. All roads lead back to biblical truths. And when we stray from those, we have, you know, scores of problems, both in the culture and the political world. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say that um, I watched it several times because I couldn't believe he slapped him. Like yeah. what man slaps another man? Like it's, it's sort of like, well, let me remove my glove and I throw <laughs> down my glove and a duel at dawn. Right. You know, How what dare is you? That? <laughs> yeah. But, but I think more importantly, look, I understand. Well, I don't understand anybody going up on stage at the Oscars to do violence to like, I'm sorry, that whole thing. But the reaction of the crowd and particularly young people who completely misunderstood the joke to be an insult, which it was not. It was an homage. It was actually a very flattering thing to say. Um, but they don't but they didn't understand it because they don't know what G.I. Jane the movie is. Right. And so they totally misunderstood the whole thing. And for them to then say, oh, it was the slap was justified because, of course, you know, Chris Rock was just asking for it because words hurt and they're equivalent to violence. So violence can be equated here. And it was the natural reaction. No, just and oh, just full stop. Absolutely not. And it's a very sad statement to say that our culture has now moved to this level. And I wonder how your book sort of handles this this idea that that, yeah, th through coronavirus, um, the left has really gotten a stranglehold on many of our cultural norms now. But they were doing that long before. Right. They, oh, of course, the, the left, this is their ongoing campaign, right? They want control and power. So they look for various ends in America's politics and culture. And one of the biggest ways they have found an end in recent years, and you know this yourself, because most of your campaign in life is based on this activism, is in the school system. And what we have now coming out of the school systems are a, a complete generation of of youth who cannot critically think. They're run by emotion, which is what you were just describing about the whole reaction to the Will Smith incident. This is the youth of America. This is America's emerging leadership. They don't think, they don't look at the consequences of actions. They don't look at cause and effect. And they certainly don't look at the constitution with any favorable eyes because they've been trained to believe that our entire government construct in America is inherent racist. And so in my book, In Lockdown, of course, I touch upon the youth and I go into the colleges and I look at what colleges have done in terms of brainwashing their students into believing that government surveillance is something that should be done on a daily basis. If you look at the coronavirus and how colleges have pushed 
things like the contact tracing app on your smartphone, where you have to show a green check in order to travel freely on campus, or they push things like tattletailing on your fellow students anonymously when those students don't wear face masks or socially distance. These are alarming realities from the coronavirus where fear is being instilled in our youth. And these same youth are going to come out of college thinking the government is a number one and surveillance is something that should be part and parcel of normal American American society. Yeah. And fear has been normalized. Like they're, they're just taught that, yeah, because you're afraid all of these other things and it's normal to be afraid. And so just behave this way. Yes, absolutely. What's the most, uh, uh, astonishing thing that you discovered in researching the book? Um, that's a good question because there was a lot. Um, uh-huh. but, but on one chapter, I talk about uh, Congressman Bobby Rush. He is a Democrat from Illinois. Uh, he's been in office for a long time, and he introduced this bill to uh, fund contact tracing efforts for a year, $100 billion, $100 billion of taxpayer money going to fund contact tracing. And when you start peeling back the layers of what this contact tracing means, it sends government entities into practically your own home to make sure that you have been vaccinated, to make sure that you are properly safe, to make sure that if your kids have test positive for the coronavirus, that you're doing the proper government approved measures to take care of yourself. And Bobby Rush's office denies that their bill, of course, does this. But in my book, I showcase how they open the doors for others in government, in local government to come in and basically knock on your door and ensure a la China-like, right? Ensure that you're doing all the properly approved government protections dealing with the coronavirus. This is big government surveillance at its worst. And this is where our society is headed. So what do you hope people take away from the book? I hope people are educated about the need that this is the 12th hour in America. And when I say that, I don't say it, uh, you know, with a hyperbole or anything like that. This is really coming down to the head in America, where Christians specifically need to start activating and getting more and more involved in the politics, in local government, state government, federal government, because the evil forces of the far left have taken control of so much in America's government that if we don't put a stop to it now, our next generation is not going to know what freedoms in this country really represent. How, so is the, the book is not geared towards young people, though, right? You know, young people could read it, but it, it's not a child's book. No, it, it's not a it's not a school book. No. So how do we reach younger people? Because, you know, I talk to I talk to older people who have money, right? The affluent people and they're donating their money to political campaigns. Right. And they mm-hmm. want to beat the guys who are who you know, the guys like the one that you just mentioned who are proposing these ridiculous spending bills on things that are just government control, you know, avenues. Um, But we can change all the policy we want. If if our youth is growing up thinking that it's better for government to be, you know, fully engaged inside people's private lives, then it'll all be reversed in 10, 20 years, right? 
Right. Yeah, right. We're only as safe as the next election. Right. So that's why going to the churches, that's why an up of uh, an uprising in the churches, a reawakening of the churches is so crucial because let me put it in terms of parenting, because you and I both have, uh, you have four kids, right? I have four kids. You have three. Four? My and husband, four. I suppose counts a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you know that you can lay down the law in your home all you want, right? And your kids may obey, they may disobey. But the thing that really keeps your kids glued to doing the right thing is when you capture their hearts, right? When they love you and out of love for you and respect for you, they do what's right just because they don't want your disapproval. Well, it's the same way in America, right? The American spirit is something that we need in the conservative movement and in the Christian movement to really grab a hold of and start to sell to America's youth. The youth in America right now are captured by socialism because they think that it sounds so great. Equality for everybody. Everybody has enough. They've been taught and they're not reading George Orwell. Exactly. They've been taught that. So we need to start telling the youth that it's really independence and individual liberties and more specifically, God given liberties where God plants in each individual at birth certain talents to grow and use. And that's your passion in life. And socialism kills that. So while we're teaching our children that we need to start fighting at the school system because you have been nailing it for years, Sam. That's where the real war in America comes from, the school system. We need more Christian conservatives serving on school boards, going into the the evil den of the public school system and teaching there. And as a parent, if you're able to homeschool or to at least privately school your child. Yeah, I don't even. uh, So uh, you you don't know this, but I've morphed yet some more probably since we last (laughs) spoke. Um, There's no redeeming the school system um, because the system itself is a perversion of education. They don't accomplish education. They accomplish the opposite. And so, uh, yeah, so but but I but I recognize, you know, the the thought behind uh, your your efforts there to get people involved. And I th- I'm hoping really that the more people determined to be involved, the more they will understand that there's no fixing it and that yeah. it's really child abuse to send your child to school at this point, um, because it is. Uh, What criticisms do you have of the previous administration that you go through in the book? Yeah, you know, I love Donald Trump and I love the Trump administration, but you can't deny that he was the one that shut down the country. And, you know, I, I don't really fault him for that so much as as when he gave over the White House platform to Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks, and he basically stepped back. And he may have done it because he, he felt pressured to turn over uh, some sort of medical decisions to a medical bureaucrat, thinking that Anthony Fauci knew more medically about the coronavirus. But at the same time, what he did was he put liberty, individual liberty, second to medical safety. And in this 
country, it always has to be individual decision-making, individual liberties first, and then can come government recommendations and advisements for, you know, best health practices and so forth. So my fault with Donald Trump comes from the fact that I think he gave too much power to Anthony Fauci, and we are still feeling the negative ramifications of that today. Yeah. Where'd Fauci go? I, he hasn't been around for a little while. Yeah, he he popped up uh, a week or two ago, kind yeah. of talking about face masks again. But yeah, he has been and, and advocating for personal autonomy, which was like, really <laughs> now? <laughs> well, you. now, yeah, Thank he's got to walk everything back because everything that they predicted is wrong. But what I'm seeing from from Walensky, Rachel Walensky of the CDC, she will tweet complete lies with no backup statistics for them. Yeah. And with impunity doesn't even just just tweets a lie um, s- similar to was it Sotomayor on the on the Supreme Court yeah. who said 300,000 children have died from coronavirus? No, not even close. Not even like it. it, it the, the number is sadly, I don't mean anything by this, but insignificant, uh, c- you know, compared to what they were talking about. And yeah. yet she brought that up as if it were factual. And she sits on the Supreme Court, which, by the way, to remind everybody, the Supreme Court issues um, opinions. They're not decisions. They're opinions. Right. That's but we forget that. We think the Supreme Court makes the law. I mean, come on, folks. Well, OK. Um, how much money has transferred uh, with just just let's just take vaccines. You did that research and put it in this book. I mean, your book is filled with information, pertinent, valuable information about this lockdown, this this whole travesty of justice that we've all experienced. But talk to me about moolah. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? That my my book was written April of last year. Okay, that's when I turned in the manuscript. It was supposed to come out in November, got delayed because of the coronavirus supply chain issues. (laughs) Then again, in January, same thing. And then again, in March to April, same thing. So, you know, the the supply chain issues are still a factor. So the the facts and figures about money, you can multiply them uh, by several times over the vaccine have netted these big pharma companies billions of dollars. They are making record numbers of profits from these vaccines. But and Cheryl, I'm- they're going to need it because when people start suing them, yeah. they're going to have to cover it. Yeah. Well, you know, the the bigger concern here is the ties and the curious links between the same government bureaucrats uh, that issue the need policy advisements to take your shot and your booster and your third booster and your fourth booster are tied to some of these vaccine policies. And if you look at Anthony Fauci, for instance, he joined with Bill Gates a decade ago on this campaign called the Decade of Vaccines. And what it was aimed at was bringing forward new vaccine developments to vaccinate the world. And so here Anthony Fauci is advising policy pushing policy that everybody in America and around the world should get these vaccinations, not just one, but all the accompanying boosters. And here he is with ties to Bill Gates making money off these same vaccines. The big question is, why wasn't the media looking at this? That's Wait, such a are you glaring. saying are, are you saying I think it's called conflict of 
interest. Are you right. saying he has a conflict of interest? I know, just a, just a teeny little one, right? Just maybe a little tiny question mark there. But the media did just fell flat on doing its job in, entirely uh, with oh. this whole coronavirus. So I'm going to push back on you again, Cheryl. We have to stop saying the media has failed. The media is succeeding. We just don't recognize the media as the enemy. Yeah, this is true. This and, is true. And I really think that we need to start changing our language. The media did exactly what the media wanted to do, which was stoke the fear and be part of the control. The media is part of the totalitarianism that is that is trying to take over America. The good news is like I, I you talked about my kids and how they do what I ask them to do because they want to obey me. And I, I'll, I'll go one step further. My kids do what I want them to do because they are smarter than I am. <laughs> and they recognize when I have a good idea or, you know, have good advice. But I was sitting with my kids this morning. We we typically have breakfast together every morning. And I was sitting with them and, and I started laughing because I said, you know, it's kind of crazy. How did you guys turn out so great? I mean, you're more conservative than I am. And that is saying something. And my my oldest right. son was like, you're barely conservative, mom. I mean, seriously. <laughs> and my daughter was like, oh, that's true. You know, <laughs> That's great, though. I mean, that's great. You know, not only does it show that you raised your children to think for themselves, which is, you know, that's a proper parental role, but it gives me a little bit of hope for America because similarly, my my kids too um, take part in politics and, and they have an interest in the direction of this nation and they know what God-given liberty is, which is the real basis of exceptionalism in this country. So I want everybody to go out and buy three copies of Cheryl's book, oh, one for yourself, you. one for your mother-in-law and one for the leftist down the street. Cause you know, share the wealth. Um, and, <laughs> um, and also if you're listening to this podcast and you are not homeschooling yet and don't call it homeschooling, we're calling it home learning because it is not school. It's most decidedly not school. And if you have any questions, you come to my um, I'm doing I'm hosting a conference in June, June 24, 25 here in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Um, and so go to my website, samsorba.com to find out anything more. Cheryl, you have a website. You want to share that with people? It's Cheryl Chumley.com. Thank you. And Cheryl is spelled C-H-E-R-Y-L. Mm-hmm. Chumley has an E, C-H-U-M-L-E-Y. Um, Cheryl Chumley.com. And you can get the book anywhere. Uh, fine books are sold. Lockdown, the socialist plan to take away your freedom. It's a plan. They've put it into action, but they won't succeed if we are paying attention. And the great news is it won't take a lot of us to foil their plan, but we have to be diligent and we have to stand firm. And that's where we're getting a little wishy-washy. And there's a bunch of wishy-washy people in Washington right now. And I, I have a feeling that they might be enjoying some um, conflict of interest there. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, I think you're quite right. You're in Washington. You see it. You see it, right? You must every see day, it. Every day, Sam, every day. All right. Anything else you want to let people know before we? You know okay. what? Just, just God bless. God bless and save America. God bless America. 
This is the land of the the home of the the land of the brave home of the free. No, land of of the free home home of the brave (laughs) still, because there are still people out there who are saying I am a free person. And hey, by the way, if you're going on a plane anytime soon, just don't wear your mask in the airport. And the reason I say that is because there's nobody in the airport who can actually force you to wear your mask. Good point. They say they can and they say that it's a federal law, but it was never passed into law. It's just been mandated. And guess Mm -hmm. what? We're the United States of America. We don't have mandates. They don't actually exist. They only exist as figments of people's imagination. And the totalitarians are letting their imaginations run wild. And so you just if somebody says, why aren't you wearing a mask? You just say, oh, that's not my religion. (laughs) It's not my religion. I don't wear a hijab. I also don't wear a mask. The only time I'll wear a mask is on an airplane because I have to get where I'm going. But I've stopped wearing the mask on the planes, too. You. It's like a 50-50. Sometimes you get the mask Nazis where they insist, in which case you wear the mask, but sometimes they don't insist. So I, I want to encourage you in particular, but other people also, Cheryl, because we just we fought, we so followed directions. That's a result of our schooling. Yeah. We've all been schooled. We're all school injured at this point, And we just follow directions, even when we know they're wrong. That's what's crazy. Well, you know, would your friends ju- would would you jump off a bridge if all your friends were jumping off a bridge? Apparently so. We're living in a culture where, yes, if all my friends are jumping off a bridge, well, I guess I got to go jump down. No, <laughs> stand up for yourself. Right. That's right. You nailed it. That's that's it in a nutshell. I'm, I'm getting on my high horse, Cheryl. Pull me down. <laughs> no, you need to ride it more. that's great we all should good horse (laughs) so um so yeah you just you 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 pull your mask down you see if they correct you if they don't take it off see if they correct you and uh, what i've what i've started doing is i take my mask off and if they don't correct me then i put it on when they come serve drinks because and i said this to the guy sitting next to me he wore his mask the entire time the entire flight he's like this the whole flight pulling his mask up um, cause we were chatting and, and he goes, I see what you did just there. You just put your mask on. Are you, what are you a hypocrite? And I said, no, I just did her a favor because her job is to tell me to put the mask on. And she doesn't want to tell me to put the mask on very clearly. She hasn't said it once, yeah. but I don't want to be in her face about it. So I put it on. So I'm saving her the problem of having to decide, do I have to tell her to put the mask on? It is my job. Yeah. You see, we can be kind to people and still stand up for our freedoms. Yeah. Without the government telling us what to do. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> Cheryl Chumley, thank you so much for joining me. She's the author of Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. This is the Sam Sorbo Show. Hi there, Sam Sorbo here for the Playbook for Home Learning Conference up in Port St. Lucie this June 24 and 25. I hope you'll join me there. We're going to talk about why homeschool and how, how can you possibly homeschool? What about curriculum? What about socialization? What about me time? All of those wonderful things. And I'm also going to cast a vision for you for what your life can be like if you choose to home educate. And I promise you, it's 
It's better than you ever dreamed, and it's easier than you ever imagined. So join me, Sam Sorbo, plus Tina Marie Griffin and Michelle Howard at the Playbook for Home Learning Conference up in Port St. Lucie. For more details, go to samsorbo.com. Also, don't forget, join the underground education community, and you can also get discounts on your tickets there. Uh, You'll find that also on the website, samsorbo.com. We look forward to seeing you there. It's going to be a great time. 